Hey, friends. Good morning. And yeah, I am Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad to be given the message this morning. Uh, we are in the third and final week of our series on spiritual gifts right now. Week one, Pete shared about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Week two, Gay taught us about prophecy, wisdom, knowledge gifts. Last Friday at Holy Spirit Night, which is awesome, there were a bunch of us here, um, we uh, looked at the list of spiritual gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, Romans 12, and that list is pretty long. It uh, includes discernment, encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, leadership and administration, mercy, service, teaching, and prophecy, and prophecy we talked about in our prior series uh, called Empowered. So we've been spending a lot of time on this stuff. It's been really great. Uh, we're preaching on these spiritual gifts so that you know what they are. It's important to know what the spiritual gifts are. But our deeper hope is that we can support your journey in figuring out what your spiritual gifts are and then using them to change the world a little bit at a time. This series is directly related to our church purpose, which is, you heard it, to love God, love people, and in doing that, change the world, right? It's basically impossible to change the world and do those things without using spiritual gifts. Basically, virtually impossible. Today, I get to share about the gifts of healing and miracles. As we've said repeatedly in this series, these gifts are not for us to own or to make us feel superior to others. God gives them to us, but they are not for us. They're not supposed to just stay inside of us so that we can say, I have the gift of whatever, right? They are for the people around us. These spiritual gifts are like tools. God gives them to us so that we can participate in the work that God is doing in the world. We can participate in the building of God's uh, uh, incoming kingdom. We can build people up. God gives, we receive, and then we give to others so that they can receive good things from God. That's how it works. And so I think that these spiritual gifts are the best example of gifts that keep on giving. You've heard that term before? Spiritual gifts are the best gifts that keep on giving. That's just as true of the gifts of healing and miracles. At the end of the Gospel of John, which is the disciple John's eyewitness account of Jesus' life, uh, it says this, chapter 21, verses 24 and 25. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know this account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Have you read that verse lately? The gospel writers are saying there was so much going on that if we were going to try to tell you all of it, I don't think all the books in the world could contain it. When I was prepping for this message today, I felt a little the same way. When I looked at how many healings and miracles Jesus did do in the Bible that are recorded there. So depending on how you count them, uh, there are 37 fleshed out with detail accounts of healings and miracles that Jesus did in the Gospels. And that doesn't count verses that just mention multiple healings in passing. Like these, Matthew 14, 14. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. Matthew 14, 36. And they implored him that they might touch the fringe of his cloak, and as many as touched it were cured. 1530, 
And large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. Matthew 19, 2. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. 21, 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Matthew 8, 16. He cast out spirits with a, with a word and, all, and healed all who were ill. All who were ill. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. One more. Matthew 12, 15. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. Many followed him, and he healed them all. These were only from the Gospel of Matthew. It doesn't include the 37 ones that I already talked about that have more details and specifics with them. It's overwhelming in the best way possible. It's so beautiful what Jesus does when Jesus shows up. Jesus is a healer and a miracle worker. When the Bible uses the term healing, it includes physical healing, you know, our bodies, but it really means something larger. It means wholeness. So in this context, healing also includes like making people right with God and with each other, like relational, emotional, spiritual healing. All of these things together are encompassed in the biblical definition of healing. It's wholeness, the whole thing. And in the Bible, um, when the term miracles is used, they are referring to displays of God's supernatural power. So there's some overlap in these things. Uh, the Greek word used literally means activities of power. That's what a miracle is, an activity of power. That would include stuff that devise the usual way that the natural world works, because we see some of that in the Bible, right? Um, and then some, also, some scholars say that this category would probably also include times when uh, people are freed from spiritual oppression or they've got, like, um, demonic oppression in their lives, and then Jesus actually casts uh, those spirits out and away and frees them, okay? So those would probably be included in miracles as well. But I want to point out something that's very important to us. It's something that we don't see Jesus do. He doesn't heal anyone or do any miracles until his 30s. Those things start to happen after he's baptized and after the Holy Spirit descends upon him. So this tells us that healing wasn't an ability, apparently, that Jesus had from the very beginning. Have you thought about that? Jesus' ability to heal and do miracles is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of healing and miracles are given by God, even for Jesus. And this is where things get extra interesting for every follower of Jesus. Do we have some followers of Jesus in the room this morning? Okay? This is, might get interesting for you. might get interesting for me. It means that they and we can receive the gifts of healing and miracles. And then also Jesus actually commands his followers to use those gifts. Luke 10 8 through 9, Jesus sends out his disciples and he tells them, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. And then he says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you right now. How would the people know that the kingdom of God is near them right now? 
if something miraculous didn't happen to go along with it. These two things go right together, right? Matthew 10, 5 through 8. Jesus sent out the 12 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people uh, of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. The bar is a little bit higher now, isn't it? Um, Give as freely as you've received. Does it seem like Jesus thinks that the spiritual gifts are gifts that keep on giving as well? Give as freely as you've received. And in Mark 16, 15 through 18, the scope of where Jesus is sending his followers widens. 15, he says, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. And they will speak in, a, in new languages. That's like the tongues kind of stuff that we've been talking about um, recently. And they will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will uh, be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Okay? Now, some of that list sounds crazy to me. Pete was joking about that too. You know, snakes and poison. Stuff like that, right? But maybe it's not crazy. I think you could rephrase this in a way that still makes sense. The followers of Jesus will have the gifts of healing and miracles. So in the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus is important because Jesus is saying, if you're praying something in my name, in, in line with my spirit, in line with my will, and in line with my timing... That's the kind of stuff that means in Jesus' name, like in the love and compassion of Jesus, okay? So all these things have to kind of go along with, you know, in the name. It's like, is our heart posture in line with Jesus? Is our timing in line with Jesus? And things like that, which is why it takes some discernment, right? But he says, in my name um, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, they will free people from spiritual oppression as they pray. Miraculous stuff no one expects will happen. And they will uh, pray for people, put their hands on them, and they'll be healed. That would be my paraphrase of that. And the Bible doesn't seem to think that what Jesus saying is, is saying is crazy either. In Acts 28, it just so happens that we see someone do almost exactly Jesus' list that had the crazy stuff in it, okay? So after Jesus um, rose from the dead and returned to heaven, we are in the book of Acts, Okay. And the Apostle Paul, in Acts 28, he gets shipwrecked, and he ends up on the island of Malta. Has anyone been to Malta? Okay, all right. It's a place. You could go there. All right. Um, he's, and then he's gathering sticks, and he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. And the people there, um, you know, they live there. Uh, they've lived there their whole lives. They know that this is a poisonous snake, and they expect him to die very quickly. And so they wait around for him to die. And he does not die. That seems like a gift of a miracle, right? Then they decide that because uh, at first they would have thought that it was kind of like our version of karma. Like he probably got bitten by a snake because he's a terrible person. He's a murderer. And now nature is after him, okay? When he doesn't die, they go to the other end of it and they say, I think he's probably a god, (laughs) right? And so then they invite him over. The chief leader of Malta hosts him. And Paul then heals his dad of fever and dysentery. 
And then all the sick were brought to him, and he healed them. The Apostle Paul healed them all, okay? Gifts of healing, looks like to me. It wasn't just the Apostle Paul. In the book of Acts and in Paul's letters, we see multiple mentions of healings and miraculous signs among ordinary people of the church. So I have a question for us. Does Jesus want our church to look more like that? Now, I think that the answer is pretty clear, but I'm going to leave it up to you to decide. As I follow Jesus, I have seen a lot of physical healings and also some miracles. Um, I have had pain instantly disappear from my body as people have prayed for me. I remember my friend Jason, like I had, I was at a, I was at a conference and I was doing worship and suddenly my stomach hurt so bad and I was like, oh no, it was bad timing. He prayed for me and I really didn't even think that anything was going to happen and I suddenly went, I feel instantly better. It was awesome. That same sort of thing has happened as I prayed for people as well. The power of God flows through us and people get healed like right away. Things instantly vanish. Um, I've joined friends in praying for a friend of mine who had repeatedly been a unable uh, to have uh, to get pregnant, and she really wanted to, and she's got a son right now since then, okay? Once when I was part of a worship team, this is early in my worship journey, I was just playing guitar, I wasn't even leading worship yet, but we were at some event, and um, we were worshiping, and at the end, somebody came up, it was a young, young lady, and she goes, um, I am, I am or have been legally blind, like I can't read anything in front of me, and suddenly I can read my Bible. Like, I don't know what happened. Nobody prayed for her. Jesus just healed somebody as they were worshiping. Super cool. I've also seen God bring wholeness in all these different ways that we've been listening, uh, listening before to people as they become aware that they're forgiven of their sins, Right? And they're loved by God, and they're invited to be a part of the body of Christ. They're invited to be a part of community. That's healing in all these different ways. I've seen people miraculously changed just by being in the community of Christ. Now, I can't say that I have performed a miracle, at least not one that I'm aware of. I've prayed, I've been praying with a bunch of people, and miracles have happened. I don't know, you know, who gets credit for that, you know? Um, but I do have a mom, she happens to be here today, um, who stuck out her hand at a tornado that was coming at their car um, and rebuked it, and it turned uh, 90 degrees and went a different direction. So that sounds like a miracle to me. Um, I was down in the basement at home uh, with my brother and the babysitter, so you'll have to ask her about that if you'd like to hear more about it. Um, but if you're part of the RHB Google group, some of you probably are part of that. Um, one of the things that happens there is people are praying for each other. They'll put a prayer request in there. We've seen numerous times, we've seen healing and miraculous stuff happen, you know, just as people pray. When these things happen, I'm joking about taking credit, right, when we're all praying and something happens, because we don't take credit. None of us have the power to do stuff like that on our own. It's God's love, it's God's power working in us and through us. And so sometimes we pray for things and they happen right away, like some of the things I'm describing, right? Sometimes they happen later. Sometimes it seems like, as far as we can tell, it doesn't happen at all, right? It's not an easy way to live all the time, is it? 
talk about tension, talk about joys and sorrows, talk about, you know, the, the need for um, both the God stories and the prayer requests on the back of the connection cards. But why might God want us to desire to step into that and live a life that's in the tension, in the joy and the sorrow? Why might God want us to do that? I think I can give us four reasons today. The first, gifts of healing and miracles demonstrate God's love. Multiple times in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus sees crowds of people and it says he had compassion on them. And then in Matthew 14, 14, the next thing Jesus does is that's when he heals the sick. So it's important to know that all of Jesus' healing is directly connected to love and his heart and compassion. He's not there to put on a show. He's there because he wants to love people. Okay? When Jesus miraculously multiplies food for thousands of people, that happens more than once in the Gospels, he's showing that he cares about people's spiritual and physical hunger. These people have been following Jesus around a whole bunch, and there's no food in this place where they are. And so he's got to do something. And so um, that's what he does. He's actually caring that people are hungry. In healing people who have diseases and in that context are ceremoniously unclean, um, the love of God then brings people back into the place where they can go and worship in the temple. They can be around their family. They can be with community. In his miracle of raising a widow's only son from the dead, the love of God is carrying for a woman who in that society wouldn't have anyone to take care of her if her son was dead and she was already a widow. The healings and miracles of Jesus say that God loves. God loves us. God loves you. God loves you whether you're broken or healed and whole. But isn't it easier to be reminded of God's love for us when something miraculous happens in our lives. There is a real gift in those things. Number two, the gifts of healing and miracles show that Jesus is Lord. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist sends his disciples and, and to ask Jesus is he, if he was the Messiah or if they should keep looking, okay? John's story is interesting because he's the one who is like, there he is, Jesus. This is the Messiah, the one that God has sent, right? Later on, John is in prison, and probably things aren't going the way that he expected them to, and he actually sends the disciples to say, Jesus, are you the one that I thought you were, or should we keep looking? Like, give it to me straight. And this is what Jesus says. He says, um, this is verse 4, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus says that the healings and miracles are some of the most obvious things to prove he's the Messiah, to prove that he's God, prove he's sent, okay? In Mark 2, a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus by his friends. It's a great story. They lower him down through a hole in the ceiling. Um, and Mark 2, 5 through 12, says this. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the religious, the teachers in, uh, of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, 
Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? It's a great question. Um, Jesus is actually saying that it's harder to forgive somebody's sins, right? They're saying only God can do that. Who could forgive sins, right? But what seems harder to us in the natural world? Get up, right? And so this is what Jesus does. He says, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, he grabbed his mat, he walked out through the stunned onlookers. Would you have been a stunned onlooker? They were all amazed, they praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this before. Here Jesus does a physical healing to prove that he can heal us both spiritually and physically. And he's saying and proving that to the doubters um, that he is actually, in fact, God. Jesus also demonstrates his lordship in miracles. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus tells his disciples that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, okay? So when Jesus calms a storm in the Bible with one word, and when Jesus walks on water, he's showing that he has the authority over everything, even the natural world. The healings of merit and miracles of Jesus say that he has authority, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord. He's not just a teacher with good ideas. If we just followed the practices and teachings of Jesus, wouldn't that be great? That's not actually what we're about. We're about Jesus being Lord, and that's what Jesus is actually saying about himself. We have to come to grips with that. Jesus says, I'm Lord. I want your whole life. I want everything. I don't want you to just be like, like your stuff, okay? Number three, gifts of healing and miracles show that our future is upon us now and is secure forever. Jesus repeatedly told people the kingdom of God is at hand. And then the healing and miracles are meant to give the world a taste of what's to come, to give a taste of that kingdom, okay? They give us a glimpse of the kingdom of God, and one day that is going to be all that there is. The kingdom of God is going to overtake and heal everything. The biggest miracle of all is Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Jesus' resurrection from the dead is what our entire faith is built upon. The Apostle Paul says that this whole thing, this following Jesus thing, is a joke and not worth our time if Jesus didn't actually raise, uh, uh, rise from the dead. Okay? So, if Jesus doesn't rise from the dead and isn't alive right now, the whole thing is a farce. But Jesus is alive. And that means that death is not the end for anyone who believes in him. We will rise with Christ, and we will have and have now a future that is safe in Christ, and it's secure forever. Whatever we're going through, how comforting is it to know that our future is secure. There will be a place and a time when everything that needs to be healed is made whole, and healings and miracles show us that it's true. They renew our hope. 
And this brings us to the final thing, healing and miracles demonstrate. Number four, the gifts of healing and miracles show that Jesus invites us. In the miracle where Jesus walks on water, it's easy to focus on Jesus. He's doing something really crazy, right? How incredible. It says that Jesus' disciples were terrified when they saw Jesus walking on the water, okay? But in Matthew's account in chapter 14, there's something that sometimes can be missed. Peter asks Jesus whether he can come out on the water. He goes, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out and walk on the water with you, okay? And Jesus invites Peter out. What does Peter do? He walks on the water. I think that sometimes we focus on the fact that he freaks out and he loses confidence and then he starts sinking and Jesus grabs him, right? But did, but did Peter walk on the water? He did. Jesus invited him out. And Peter walked on the water. Jesus repeatedly invited his followers into healing and miracle work. He trained and sent out 12 disciples, and they saw healing and miracles. You can read about that in the Bible. In Mark 6, he sends out another 72, and they report that they're seeing healing and, healing and miracles. And then in Acts and in the letters of Paul, this is after Jesus has actually risen from the dead and gone uh, back to heaven, we have accounts and indication that regular Christians were operating the gifts of healing and miracles in just a regular way, okay? It's a regular part of what was happening with the people of God. If we need it to be any clearer, Jesus himself says in John 14, uh, 12 through 16, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, right? And I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, Obey my commandments. Has Jesus given us any commandments in some of these scriptures up until this point? If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, and that's the Holy Spirit, who will never, ever leave you. And so here's the tricky part, friends. There are so many stories and accounts of healing and miracles in the Bible. And we are told that they're made possible by the gifting and the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, right? And we're told some things like, you know, lay your hands on people and pray for them, right? You see that happen multiple times. Sometimes people like speak, um, speak healing um, in a commanding form. There are some kind of general rules, but there isn't much else that we're told if we're talking about specifics. Even Jesus' miracles don't seem to follow the same pattern every time. I think he's doing it on purpose. Wouldn't you like an instruction book that says follow these six steps and guaranteed somebody will be healed or you'll get a miracle out of it? What would happen if we had that instruction book? What kind of a crazy person would you end up being? I think that what Jesus is saying is that he wants us to figure this out in community and in relationship with Jesus. And I don't think he wants it to be a formula to the extent that we think it's all about us. 
reliance on the Holy Spirit, learning how to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit's doing, just like, just like Jesus did. What does the Father want to do right now, and how can I try to get on board? How can I do it in the body of Christ? I think that's what Jesus is looking for. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus is inviting us to desire and pursue the gifts of healing and miracles, just like the other gifts. And I believe that Jesus is inviting us, just like Peter, to get out of the boat and step on the water and see what happens. Maybe our boat is, well, no, I don't want to pray that. That's awkward. <laughs> that might not work. I think that also we can see that Jesus doesn't mind if we freak out, lose confidence, start sinking, and need him to grab us, because he does that. He'll catch us, he will teach us, and his goal is to send us, isn't it? Now, I can preach the thing that I feel like God gave me, but I can't control whether the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit might be moving on some of our hearts this morning, that the invitation of Jesus himself is coming to you. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on you or lovingly pushing you, which I think the Holy Spirit sometimes does too, to say yes to Jesus and to get out of whatever boat you're in, I'm going to give you the, the do tip right now, early, okay? On your connection card, which I'm going to ask you to take out right now, there is a box, and it's got a spot where you can um, sign up for some... Uh, courses, okay? There are two check boxes. There's one for miracle work class, and then there's one for the School of Kingdom ministry course, okay? Miracle work class is going to be coming up this, uh, this fall. We're figuring out exactly when it's. It might be summer. I don't know. It'll be summer, fall. It'll be coming up. It's going to be probably about three hours, and it's probably going to be a, a Saturday morning, and it's based upon uh, the book by Jordan Singh. And the book isn't about how to magically become a 100% of the time praying for somebody and seeing healing stuff. But it is about how can we learn how to put ourselves in the best position to be in line with God and the Holy Spirit to actually see healing and miraculous stuff happen more consistently in our lives, okay? So if you are interested in information when we have that class scheduled, I would love it if you would check that box, okay? The other check box is um, to let us know that you're interested in more information on School of Kingdom Ministry, which we call SOCOM. Uh, we have run this about five or six times over the years, and it has been the best way in our entire church body to both identify and grow in your spiritual gifts. SOCOM will encourage you, it'll train you, it'll challenge you in great ways. Um, it would basically function as your life group for two semesters, so it would be like the fall semester and then the spring semester, okay? Um, and we want to run it, I want to run it this year if we have enough interest and enough people signing up. And so this is the way that we're going to find out whether that's possible, all right? If you're interested in more information on that when we do an interest meeting, check that box. You're not committing to doing it. But I would love to have you there, and we can talk about it, and we can see whether God is inviting you into this, okay? In James 5, 13 through 15, there's a great verse about the healing God wants to see in his church. It says, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? 
you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. Okay? Now, as I bring this to a close today, I just have something really encouraging to share with you from my uh, research this week as I was doing this message. Uh, I was reading Bible commentaries about different verses, and I read a Bible commentary about that particular verse that we just read. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase what this commentator said because it was actually very academic, and I thought it was cool, but it's probably better for me to uh, paraphrase it for you, okay? They were basically saying, wouldn't it be great, wishfully saying, if, if churches could be not only committed to sending the elders somewhere to pray for people, um, but if there was a different way for people to receive healing. This commentator was saying, we often bring our needs for healing with us into the church building, don't we? Anybody bring any needs with you today? Yeah. So the question was, what if we went to God consistently with those needs first just to see what would happen? And this author said, I bet you we would see more and more amazing things happening if we went to God first. You know, and they were also saying like, hey, medicine is awesome. You know, I mean, in our culture, we might not have the same felt needs. You know, I mean, praise God for like how society is advanced. Right. And we have all kinds of ways that medicine can help us. I think it's a grace, uh, a grace of God given to us. Right. In Jesus time, if you were messed up in your body or you had a disease, what were you going to do? You know, I mean, any question why people were just lining up for Jesus to pray for them, right? Now, we might not have the same felt needs. Like, you might actually be kind of like, okay, and that's all right if you're kind of okay. But if you're not kind of okay, or if you're willing to say, God, maybe I'd like to give you another crack at this. Hey, that's what we're here for today, okay? This commentator said, if we could somehow reconfigure church services and make it so that people actually like could get prayer at the end of the service, wouldn't that be great? I mean, church doesn't really do that, but if they did, wouldn't that be cool? And then I went, that sounds like a church I go to, right? We make it so that people can get prayer every single week at the end of the service. If you brought something that you need help or healing in, there's a place for you to go, okay? So, it's what we do in our response time, which is what we're coming to now. So we're going to pray. We're going to sing praises. We have people who are trustworthy and trained uh, to pray over you. And so I'm just going to encourage you, bring your needs to God first. Let's just see what happens, okay? Um, you might want to um, ask for anything today, you know? Maybe you need healing. Maybe you need something else. But that's what these people are here for. Um, something miraculous might happen today. So I'm going to invite you to stand as you're able, and I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come up. Prayer people, um, it would be awesome if you'd make yourself available up here, prayer team people. Um, thank you for, for being around and um, doing that. Um, thank you. All right. Let's see. We're going to have a time of responding to God in worship. We're going to have communion together, and we're going to be praying. I'm going to give us three tips uh, that you can take into your lives, okay? John 14, 12 through 16, um, read that. That's the one where it says, my followers will do this stuff and even greater stuff. 
You could also do a bonus thing. You could do a Google, Google search of the healings that Jesus did or healings in the Bible. I bet you'd be pretty encouraged by that, too. Uh, tip two, pray. Ask for the gifts of healing and miracles and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Can I pray that over us right now? Um, I think it's, uh, there's an invitation from God to say like, hey, if you want to see more of this, ask me. Let's just see what happens, okay? You can put your hands out in front of you. You might already have some sort of like experience of praying for people and seeing, seeing healing or change. I think that the Lord wants to uh, breathe on that and increase it. And maybe some of us are going to get this gift for the fir very first time today, all right? God bless your openness, by the way. It really pleases the Lord. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. You know, we, we see what you've done in the Bible. We hear what you've said to us, and we want to follow. And we don't think that we have what it takes in and of ourselves to do it. And so, in the name of Jesus, I just release an increase of the gifts of healing and miracles upon you, friends, in you. And Holy Spirit, if you want to, like, give a new gift to somebody or a lot of people in here, we welcome you to do that. We just want whatever you have for us. And God, would you, by your spirit, give us the encouragement to like just get out of the boat and try? Doesn't matter if we've got an increased gift if we never give it a shot. So God, whether it's just signing up to do a class and trying to stir ourselves up that way or just saying, I'm gonna pray for somebody this week, um, you might wanna give it, a, give it a crack and just see what happens, okay? We invite you, Holy Spirit. It is all up to you, and all glory and honor goes to you, Jesus. Bless you, friends. Okay. And the do tip was check some check boxes if you feel so led. Okay? Let's worship together.